was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. And they also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast. And today, I guess the big question is, would you want to have a king who is eight years old? Would you follow an eight-year-old king? Well, we meet one today in the story of Josiah. Josiah is a righteous king. He is a descendant of his father David, it says, making the point that he's a lot like King David. He is not like his father or his other ancestors who, after the reign of Solomon, set up uh, idolatrous temples and other distractions from the worship of the true God. But he's eight years old. What can an eight-year-old do? What can he do? I am, was helping a six-year-old in the next room with his homework this morning. It's hard to imagine him being my king. Um, I don't know about the eight-year-olds in your life, um, if you would want them to be king. He reigned for 31 years, so 39 that's not bad. We notice that the, chrono, the, the the writer here tells us that Jedediah was his mother and seems to have been involved in his life in a really deep way, which is often the case when you have kings this young. They would have a regent or someone that was sort of in charge of their ruling. And it seems like his mother is the ruler. So literally the hand of the cradle rules the world. Hand, hand that rocks the cradle rules the world as the saying goes, but here she, she's actually doing it. We, we know that queens rarely had power the way that kings had power in the, in the world of the Bible. Um, it is a patrilineal system at this point, even though the ideal of God is a matrilineal system. Um, in the Genesis, it says um, a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, cling to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Uh, he makes it clear in Genesis that you leave your father's family and join your, your wife's family um, as a man. That's how I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing the story, which is much, it's usually true. I have always gotten along with my wife's family better than my own. I don't know if that's true of you, uh, <laughs> any of you. Um, sometimes that's easier than your own parents. And not just easier, it's better for women to uh, have the man join the wife's family, his wife's family. Um in patrilineal societies where um, women leave their family far behind and join the man's family. This is where people are living intergenerationally in a much more frequent way than we are today. I think I've read uh, statistics that in 1950, uh, one or two thirds of American households had multi-generations living in them in like 1950, which is not that long ago. And now that number has plummeted um, 
where the idealization of the nuclear family is pretty standard. The idea of like living with multiple aunts, uncles, grandparents, relatives is sort of like not the American dream for white Americans. Um, and yet many people still do live multi-generationally in large houses or smaller houses um, here in the United States even today. But this was the norm in for, for most of human history. Uh, and so a woman who leaves her mother and father's family, joins the male family, maybe far away in a different village or different town or different city, um, when things go bad, if they do, uh, has very little protection, very little advocacy. Whereas you can see the opposite. If the man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife in her family, um, you can see that if things don't go so well, then she is has greater protection because her family's all right there. And this was the sort of ideal in Genesis, but it seems like by the time the kings roll around, this has shifted um, in, in the world of the Old Testament. And so it says that Josiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And it's kind of cool to think that an eight-year-old child was able to know what the Lord wanted him to do. It's real simple. I mean, Jesus said it, unless you have the faith of a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. If you tell a little kid that there's a God who made the whole world and he created the world in seven days and he built all this and, you know, Adam and Eve did what they did and plunged us into what we have now and we're still following God and God made a covenant with Abraham uh, that, that he would bless the world through us and we need to be faithful to this God uh, his name is Yahweh, and they may, they may or may not have pronounced the divine name at this point. It's, it's hard to say what they were doing in their conversational life, but um, that this was the simple plan. And Josiah's like, yep, that's the plan. Let's go with it. Um, it's weird how as we get older, um, we embrace more complexity as we see the trials of life hitting us and those around us in a deeper way. And we also, um, there's, a, there's a loss of that innocence, a loss of that simplicity that is a real tragedy in all of life. Um, and we're always trying to get back to that. Paul Ricoeur, uh, POW in World War II, French POW and philosopher who taught philosophy classes while he was imprisoned in a POW camp for the whole war, um, emerged and I think he moved to the United States and taught in Indiana, I believe, but he talked about the second naivete, that you start out with life with a first naivete. The world is simple, innocent, pure, and you're simple, innocent, and pure. You see things pretty black and white, um, pretty cut and dried, just the way they are. And then life hits you, and you go through this period of tumult and complexity. For many, this is when they go to college or um, when they start working in a job and you see how much taxes you're paying and how little you get and how much the boss gets. And, you know, these, these things where you're just like, what, this is the way we do this. Um, and, and even in the theology, when you realize that, you know, God is a lot more complex than what you learned in Sunday school or what you learned in church or from your parents. And, um, what about people that aren't Christians when they're born in other countries or other communities from mine? And what do they believe? And what, what happens to them when they die or, you know, we, we have this period of chaos and complexity. And hopefully, 
if we hang in there and sort things out and ask hard questions and get answers as best we can, we come out on the other side with a second naivete. It's a very, it's very much a childhood-like simplicity. C.S. Lewis distinguished between being childish and being childlike. Um, we want to be grown-ups who are childlike, not childish. Uh, and this childlikeness, this new simplicity, where we follow God in simplicity, uh, we can sing the old hymns that are very simple. We can read the Bible, which is often very straightforward. And, and I also understand that there is a more complex and chaotic nature to it, um, but also understand that this is how the path that we have for ourselves. And Josiah still has this first naivete, but he seems to have this other deeper knowledge too. He doesn't turn from the right or the left. And when he's 18, um, when he's 18 years old, he embarks on this project of restoration, of restoring the temple. It's a pretty much a house renovation. If this were a TV show, it'd be one of those shows where they knock everything out with sledgehammers and, you know, are real sassy when they go around knocking things over and, you know, how that there's sort of like a joy to the destructive phase of these shows, the few I've seen. Um, and uh, and then all of a sudden someone comes up and says, we found a book. Um this is a word uh, that there's a couple words for books in the Old Testament, and this is one of a word that may be a foreign loan word. So hard to tell what it was. I assume it was a scroll, but it seems like it may have been some other form of book binding. I'm not sure, but sefer, scroll. So I don't know why they keep translating it book, because when you say book, you think of a something like this. Um, but the, um, they find this, this book, the book of the law, and they start reading it and they discover it and they realize that they have not been following it. This is kind of weird, isn't it? That here, this is far into the Jewish kingship. The kingdoms have split. They're in Jerusalem. Um, they're there, you know, right in the middle of everything. And they don't really have a Bible. Um, what do they have at this point? What is the people? What are the people before Josiah reading? And how would, would one book get lost and sort of lose the whole thread? Hard to say. Um, cynically, cynical scholars uh, in the last 200 years have said that that this is when they wrote the book and discovered it. Um, this is when they wrote the Torah, the law. Um, the law of Moses, the story of creation, the story of the Exodus, and it was all fiction. And somebody discovered it and said, oh, look, we found the book that, that was lost. Here it is. Let's read it out loud. Um, and there's still a lot of people that believe this, that this was the discovery. Um, this, this view has been debunked many times, um, but it still kind of pops up every now and again. But what they've done is they've discovered their first love. This is what they've discovered. The first love relationship of God and God's people. The story of that relationship that is told in the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The story that is told in the Exodus that God will save you. God has delivered you. Um, and they pull this out. When the king hears the words of the book, 
And, and Shaphan reads it aloud to the king. The king tears his clothes. He's 18 years old, and he gets it. He understands what this relationship is about and how he is part of it. I don't know what you were like at 18. I don't think I knew any of you at 18. Um, you didn't know me at 18. But, you know, we're all still kind of 18 in our minds. We all discover new things. Remember falling in love at 18? Remember the trials of life at 18? <laughs> Remember what the setbacks that hit you at 18 and how they sort of took over everything? Um, remember the music you listened to at 18, how it still probably has a hook in you that is so deep. Um, and, even, and even those relationships of, with friends and, and family that we had at 18 is, are still with us in many ways. And here's Josiah at 18. He, he's tearing his clothes. He's, he's go, undergoing um, this transformation of saying, I am now the guardian of this book and my kingdom is going to be a place where this book is treasured. And so it's quite simple. Um, they said, we want the wrath of the Lord not to be kindled against us. So we're going to follow what's in the book. And if we don't obey the words in the book, the stuff that's written in the book is going to happen to us. It's real simple. Um, this is law. They discover the book of the law. Law, it works this way. If you break the law, the law breaks you. Um, karma works this way too. You break karma, karma breaks you. Um, and this is the, the essential part of the covenant relationship that God has with God's people. And this is not a relationship that, that's empty of grace in any way. There is grace in the law. There is grace on every page of scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, on every page, because it's the relationship that God made with God's people. It's not a relationship that, that um, is dependent on us. It is a relationship of response, that God loves us first. God chose us first. God initiated this relationship, and God is the one that keeps this relationship. And that is the covenant. It's a one-way street of love. It is a, a relationship of love that God has for us. And they understand that. And all they do is respond in faith. They respond in love. They read the book and they follow it. And that's what we're doing today. You're doing that today. Um, that is the relationship that God has. So your eight-year-old self is still with you. Your 18-year-old self is still with you. And perhaps today we could meditate on, on that faith that we had at those times in our life. What was our life like? What was our view of God like? And try to rekindle that, to rediscover it, just like Josiah discovers this book. Amen.